0: Hey, everybody. It's Lon and It's time once again for your weekly wrap up. And the billionaire space race continues in two weeks with the launch of Inspiration4. We're going to talk all about this mission and private space flight in general, because I do think that this mission is probably going to be the most significant milestone in having civilians visit space on a somewhat regular basis. Let's get to it. Now, what's significant about this space flight is that it is the first true private orbital mission with a crew. And what that means is that there's no government sponsoring or paying for this flight. It is completely privately financed, and it's being launched on SpaceX, which, of course, is a private space company. And that's what makes this mission very significant. They're going up like astronauts, but they're not working for NASA. Uh, they are launching from NASA facilities, but SpaceX pays NASA for the right to use those facilities. But the notion of citizens flying in space is nothing new. In fact, during the space shuttle program, there was a designation called payload specialist, and there were a number of civilians that went up on the space shuttle who were working for private companies or research institutions or perhaps members of Congress that were able to go into space on the shuttle as a private citizen, but that, of course, was financed and funded either by the company paying for the experiment or by NASA itself. A few notable examples are Bill Nelson, who is now the NASA director. He went up into space as a congressman and another congressperson during that period of time also went up. Of note, the flight that Bill Nelson was on was the last flight before the Challenger. And unfortunately, on the Challenger mission, That was the mission that Krista McAuliffe, a payload specialist, the first teacher in space, uh, tragically died along with her crew uh, when the shuttle experienced the breakup on its way to orbit. Now, in the early 2000s, there was a kind of a brief period of a number of space tourists going up to the space station on the Russian Soyuz capsules because the Russians had an extra seat and they started selling those seats to people with a lot of money. Uh, The first one to go up was Dennis Tito. Now, during this period of time, a number of people were able to pay for those extra seats on the Russian rockets, including Richard Garriott, who's also known as Lord British, the creator of the Ultimate Video Game series. He had a very active interest in space throughout his life because his father was an astronaut, And he was able to go up to the space station and he produced a lot of cool video from that trip, which you can find on his website that you see linked here on screen. Definitely worth checking out to see what that experience was like. Now, more recently, we've got now the suborbital services launching people into space, including Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic. Now, this is very different than what we're about to see with the Inspiration4 mission because this only takes you pretty much right to where space begins, and then you fall back down again. So you get about five minutes of weightlessness or so before you got to get back in your seat and land. So this whole mission takes place over the course of maybe a half an hour or so from start to finish, maybe a little bit longer as you're going up into the air on the mothership there. But I'm sure it's a great experience and definitely gets you into space, but it's not quite an orbital mission uh, like you would do on a space shuttle or something like that. Uh, Also recently, we have Blue Origin, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder. And this is a similar trajectory here in that you launch from the ground on a rocket, you go into suborbital space altitudes, and you float around for a few minutes, and then you come back down on parachutes. So you do get to see the curvature of the Earth and experience what it's like to be in space, but you're not up for all that long. And that is why... Uh, This mission that is happening in about two weeks, the Inspiration4 mission, is significant because this is completely private, but they're going to be going to orbit for a number of days and then coming back down just like NASA astronauts do and landing in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, they will be launching, as I mentioned, on a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Now, on top of that rocket is the SpaceX Dragon capsule, and this is the very same spacecraft that delivered NASA astronauts to the space station back in May of 2020. And the reason why SpaceX is allowed to put private citizens on this very same spaceship is because... The spaceship is owned by SpaceX, not NASA. NASA just buys seats on the capsule, but it is the property of SpaceX. And if SpaceX wants to send people up who can afford to go, they are allowed to do that. They are launching from NASA facilities. But as you can see, SpaceX has completely rebranded the launch pad because they are leasing space from NASA to operate their rockets privately. So they can launch NASA missions from here. They can launch private missions from here and missions for commercial contractors for satellite delivery and that sort of thing. And that's one of the big changes that's happened down at the Kennedy Space Center. It's really getting leased out to all these different private companies that are competing to develop more affordable access to space. And I think it's been a very significant development. And one of the interesting things about commercial crew is that its objectives were twofold. One was to reduce the cost of getting NASA astronauts into space and do so more safely, uh, but also Really stimulate a private space industry. And this is kind of the first example of that private space industry pivoting into crewed missions. Now, if you're interested in the genesis of this commercial crew program that NASA started, check out this article I co wrote with my friend Doug Hardy about 10 years ago. We were down at the Kennedy Space Center for the last space shuttle launch, and SpaceX took us around to their early facilities. We had a lot of access to their spokespeople. We got a really interesting look at the future and it looks like a lot of what people hope that future would be has kind of come to fruition and in addition to all the benefits that nasa got from this program uh, there's also a lot more activity happening in the united states for just regular satellite launches for a long time there were very few commercial satellites launching from the united states including satellites made by u.s companies And SpaceX has really brought a lot of competition to the market globally, to the point where the entire industry is shifting to try to catch up to their low orbit costs. And I think that's pretty significant. Now, the mission for Inspiration4 is going to be a three-day outing. They're going to go to quite a high altitude of 590 kilometers or about 370 miles at Apogee, the highest point uh, in their orbit. And just to put that into perspective, most of the space shuttle launches were taking place at around the orbital height of the International Space Station at around 420 kilometers or 262 miles. The Hubble Space Telescope was probably some of the highest altitude missions that the space shuttle ever flew. Uh, The Hubble is at 540 kilometers or 336.1 miles. And on Inspiration 4, they're hoping to go a little higher than Hubble 590 kilometers or 370 miles. I may be mistaken, but I think this is probably the highest that humans will have orbited the Earth since the Apollo days. Uh, And if I'm wrong, correct me in the comments below. But they're really trying to push the SpaceX hardware super hard here to get up to that height. Now, the mission is being paid for and commanded by a billionaire, of course, Jared Isaacman. And he has paid SpaceX for this mission. And he was kind of smart about how he went about it because the people coming along with him are not his billionaire buddies. He's actually given away the other three seats. And what he's hoping to do is raise money for the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And if you're not familiar with St. Jude, uh, they are a hospital that treats children with significant illnesses like cancer and other things. And the cost to treat those children is completely free to the families. They rely on people donating to the hospital to help those children and families out. Uh, They have done a lot to save the lives of many. And one of the crew members is coming from St. Jude, Haley Arsenault. And Haley was a patient of St. Jude when she was a child. At age 10, she had bone cancer and went through chemotherapy and had a prosthesis installed in her leg. And after recovering, she went on to go to college, and when she... Uh, finished up her undergraduate degree, she decided that she wanted to work at St. Jude's. So she went and got a, a physician assistant degree in 2016 and now works with children who are suffering with leukemia and lymphoma. And the hospital thought she would be a really inspiring person to have on the mission. And she was the one who filled the first of the three remaining seats on the inspiration for outing. And what's significant about Haley is that she will be the youngest person to fly into space in orbit and the first with a prosthesis to fly into space as well. Now, the other two seats were basically raffled off. And there was a Super Bowl ad that uh, came out last January uh, having you go to inspiration4.com to see how you could win one of the two seats. And one of the ways you could win was by donating to St. Jude through one of those online raffles similar to an Omaze thing. So you would contribute a certain amount of money, you would get a certain number of entries, and they picked the winner at random. The winner, of course, did need to pass a medical evaluation to make sure you could handle the stresses of spaceflight. And the winner was an Air Force veteran, Chris Sembroski. And Chris was a space camp counselor in his youth. I always wanted to go to space camp as a kid and never did. Uh, He then went on to college where he got a degree in aerospace engineering, and then he went into the Air Force, and now he works in the aerospace industry. And the last seat was given away through a different contest. Now, this contest was run through Isaacman's shift for business. This is how he made his money. He got started in 1999 doing payment processing. He eventually got a foothold in the restaurant industry doing processing of payments and point-of-sale systems, and was quite successful at it, so much so that he could afford to send himself into orbit. And over the last couple of years, the company has been making acquisitions. One of the acquisitions was an online storefront company similar to Shopify and others, except this online storefront is free, except you have to run all of the payments through the shift 4 payment processing system. So he's kind of competing against PayPal and Stripe and others. And the deal with the contest was that you had to launch your own shift for shop and then make an inspiring video about why you should be selected to go. And Isaacman had a panel of four judges. He was not involved in the choosing of the fourth seat. And that panel would whittle the videos down to 10 and then they would choose the winner from those finalists. Now, I did submit a video for this. Some of you saw it. I obviously didn't get it because I'd be in a spacesuit right now. My wife was quite relieved. Um, so I will not be going, but the person who did get picked, I think, was the best candidate out of all of them, myself included, Dr. Sian Proctor. She is a lifelong educator. She's a PhD. She's a pilot. Uh, she was an analog astronaut where she uh, did one of those simulated Mars missions out in some remote desolate location. And also notable, she was a 2009 NASA Astronaut Program finalist, but she was ultimately not selected but it does go to show you that no door is ever closed if you stay persistent. So I am very excited for Dr. Proctor and I look forward to seeing what she does on orbit. What was really striking to me was how few people applied for this particular contest. I think there was fewer than 150 that actually submitted entries. So this is definitely the closest I've ever gotten to going to space, at least for now and I'm wishing Dr. Proctor and the rest of the crew the best on their mission. It's great to see three everyday folks get a chance to go into space. Now, they're going to be spending the three days uh, cooped up in this tiny Dragon spacecraft. Check out the square footage here, about 328 square feet or 9.3 square meters. But remember, when you're in space, there is no up or down, so you can make use of the entire volume So some people can sleep on what looks like the ceiling, some can be on the floor, some can be on the walls. You've got a lot of flexibility while you're up there. The other thing that's kind of cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing pictures from orbit, is that they changed out the docking connector on the Dragon spacecraft and put in a cupola. So there's going to be a big window at the top for uh, the private astronauts here to look out and take pictures and show us a different view of the globe. And that's because this particular spacecraft will not be docking with the space station, so they were able to add that window. And my understanding is that the location of the toilet on board happens to be near that cupola, so that might be the view you get while you're doing your business in the uh, space potty on board the Dragon. Now, they've been undergoing an extensive amount of training that began in late February or early March of this year, and all of that training has been conducted by SpaceX. Now they're not going to the space station, they're not doing spacewalks, so a lot of the training that NASA astronauts get to do those things, they're not getting here because they're not doing those things. They are learning the ins and outs of the Dragon spacecraft during this training period, and this training is much more significant than the week or two of training you get for the Blue Origin or the Virgin Galactic flights. Now, a lot of people are wondering what this costs, and there hasn't been any public uh, disclosure of what Isaacman is paying to go up on this mission, but we can maybe discern it from some publicly available information. So right now, if you go over to the SpaceX website, you'll see that a Falcon 9 flight with your own payload will run you about $62 million, and that does not include the cost of the payload itself. Now, for this crew, you also have to factor in that they're using a SpaceX spaceship that needs to be refurbished after they're done with it, and they have to be trained by SpaceX employees, and they have to get custom spacesuits that SpaceX makes as well. So there's a lot of extra cost on top of the launch cost. Now, NASA's Inspector General recently released a report that puts the cost of sending NASA astronauts to the space station at about $55 million per seat. So doing the math here, I bet Isaacman is probably paying somewhere in the neighborhood of $200 million, give or take, for this mission. Now, by comparison, look what it costs for Boeing's commercial spaceship, the Starliner. Uh, This one has been having a ton of trouble getting into space, even for its demo mission. Their cost per seat is $90 million. And this just gives you an example of just how disruptive SpaceX has been in the commercial space business. Now, this is not the only private flight going up. There's another one slated to launch around January to the space station. This crew is actually going to dock with it and get on board for a short period of time. The price on this, being offered by a company called Axiom Space, comes in at around $55 million per seat. And this mission, like the Inspiration4 mission, is being serviced by SpaceX on a pre-flown Dragon spacecraft. Now this group is a private group of people who can afford to go and one retired astronaut who will be the mission commander. So this one is not a fundraiser for anyone, it is just three people with the means to pay some money to go to the space station. Around the time that this mission was announced, NASA also released a price list about how much it costs to uh, be able to accommodate these guests to the space station. And you can see uh, some of the costs here that get factored into the mix there. And I'm not sure if that's part of the $55 million they paid or if this is something NASA bills on top of that. But if you got enough money to make that initial payment, you can probably handle the upcharges here for your accommodation costs it certainly costs a lot more than what it might cost to stay at the Hilton. So we'll keep an eye on that mission. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, the Inspiration4 crew will be launching on September 15th. Now, I am still on the fence as to whether or not I'm going to go down and see the launch in person. They are hosting a VIP gathering for all of us who entered under the store contest, which I thought was very nice of them to do. Uh, But that gathering is taking place not at the Kennedy Space Center, but off-site. So I'm trying to get credentialed, and then that would give me the ability to be at the Kennedy Space Center to see the crew walk out and all that cool stuff. So we'll keep you posted on what we're going to do. If I don't go, I'll probably do a live stream. We've done a few of those in the past with different space missions, and those have always been a lot of fun to do with all of you. So stay tuned. I will let you know what I plan on doing in the very near future. And either way, they're going on September 15th. At Evernorth Health Services... Now this week's wrap up is being brought to you by all of you. And I want to thank Eric's variety channel for making a super chat contribution during one of my other live streams that we did last week. We also have two new supporters here on the channel on Floatplane, plane. We have Kelvin S O H and John T Davis contributed via Patreon. If you want to support the channel, you can, you can go to lawntv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution. We support float plane. As you just saw along with the YouTube membership program, along with Patreon and of course my donor box page, which you'll find at that support link, which is my own thing that I run as well. Now I have other channels, including my Amazon page, where you can watch a lot of my content ad-free, and that also includes the live streams that we do. You can engage with the channel in a number of different ways, including my very infrequent email list. We announce things like coverage of space launches there, uh, we also have my Facebook group and my Discord channel now, so check out those things if you want to connect with me and other viewers of the channel. And the last thing we've got to talk about here is my store at lan.tv slash store, and there I sell items that I purchased to review here on the channel, and there's only one of everything. It's the actual item that I reviewed, and if you want to be notified every time we add something to the store, you can go to lon.tv slash store alert. That is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Hope you all enjoyed this look at private spaceflight. Yes, the billionaires are the ones that get to go now, but I do think we're going to start seeing a lot of movement in bringing that cost down significantly over the next decade or so. When I was a kid in the 80s, they were billing this commercial spaceflight thing as something that was in the very near future and now it appears we might actually be getting to that very near future so stay tuned a lot of excitement to come in the space race that is going to do it for now until next time this is Lon Seidman thanks for watching this channel is brought to you by the Lon.tv supporters including gold level supporters Chris Allegretta Tom Albrecht Jim Callagher Hot Sauce and Video Games, and Brian Parker. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month.